everybody. Uh, up here another episode of the Six Sports Podcast. And we recorded uh, Tuesday uh, afternoon, the morning before. Uh, one more. So that's why we, we have our predictions on whether or not we think it's going to go. So stay tuned for those. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Space Explored podcast. That's the first time I'm actually sort of semi-introing it, by the way. What are we doing here again together? But yeah, here we are again together. <laughs> what is this? Uh, last time, it was you were here for Falcon Heavy. That was two weeks ago, but we only did one episode because that that podcast had the case of the Mondays. Yeah, yeah. A big case of the Mondays. Apologies to everybody out there. We missed a week, um, fired off late. It was like we In, recorded uh, right before I left. And then I drove home for like five days and I was like dead tired. And then it was like Monday. I'm like, and everything was going wrong. Not even like, not even the podcast. It was like, uh, like stuff was happening. Yeah. And it's really like the whole, oh yeah, it was like, hur- it was like the hurricane too. Yeah, the week. hurricane happened. Yeah. Like yeah. also it was like, oh, I guess there's a hurricane now going to hit the coast of Florida. And right. it also was like, oh, now like this went wrong and this went wrong. Yeah. And I was like, I got to do the podcast Dude, and don't lie to the audience tell them the truth the reason why we held it uh, was in light of artemis yeah totally right? that's what it was yep that's what it was that's why we did it um cool so yeah like you said here we are again we are in yeah. person together again artemis why won. are we here one because it's finally happening right after sure. being held back again from the 14th to the 16th <sighs> yet this again is, but this is such this is just Every, just I want to do it. Just just do it. Um, but yeah, but, let's let's. I guess we can sort of recap that. So it got pushed from the 14th to the 16th. Was that because of the hurricane? Yeah. So right? we had it got rolled out. Was it last? It rolled out last week. Two last weeks weekend. Ago. Two. Not Two this. God, what is this? Yeah, last week. But it was like over the week. Yeah. I can't remember what the dates are at this point anymore. Um, it rolled out, and as they rolled out, there was uh, uh, tropical storm Nicole yep. like formed and like. The cone just put it right into the Space Coast. Yep. So uh, it was just kind of like, uh, I guess like pretty much what happened was, well, we rolled it out and we don't have time to roll it back. So right. it had to pretty much endure uh, the launch right. of, uh, or the, the winds of, of Hurricane uh, of Nicole. Yeah, which, which actually, I know you weren't, you weren't here, but I'm sure you were keeping up. It got, they got quite a bit of flack for <laughs> leaving it out there. On it the was path. like, I, I, yeah, I think everyone, it was really easy. It's really easy that talk some trash on nasa right. with sls it's just it's just everything so easy to do it because it's like yeah. it's so At delayed point, yeah, it's, it's so expensive so like the headline is just just like right itself billion dollar you know rocket like four million dollars <laughs> yeah right. just like just left on the pad for a hurricane yeah so uh it was super easy to kind of trash them right. but uh they kind of said in their press conference that like it was just too late to roll it back which yeah, is fair it was they almost kind of, probably more risky at that point to to take a chance moving that thing so yeah the winds that it can sustain on the pad mm-hmm. for, are higher than what it can sustain while it's moving right so if exactly. they would have moved it back they would have been physics people physics physics <laughs> winds i think or astronomy no meteorology yeah, duh. yeah. um the yeah so it, and also like crew had to make you know of course like uh, yep. stat you know crew members had to be there and then um they would then have well to, like, yeah that, that's the other thing they would too, have to right? then like safety for the actual people working yeah you know, so awesome. even yeah so yeah it, that's pretty much what happened with, with Artemis so they got pushed it got pushed back to the fourteenth and then they kind of said like well to make sure that crew, uh, um, um, no damage from the, the no wings. damage more time to check it over yeah. and I like, do and like for our um for the team members stuff like that to, to kind of get ready and whatnot uh, we're pushing it back to the 16th yeah. and then that's where we are yeah today recording on the 15th 15th yeah it's early in the day on the 15th here uh on the east coast 
So hopefully tonight is the night that we'll see it. I, I, I'm thinking about what's my next like couple hours look like, and it's this. Yep. Then I have to do a radio show, and then I have to head out to the Cape by 324 for fueling. Yeah, and I was just we're there, there this morning until already. one a.m. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was just there this morning already. They, uh, the good people of NASA, um, were very kind in giving all of us um, photographer nerd photographers a reset. A reset. Yeah, we were able to go out and check our gear that we'd set up the other day, which was you know that was sort of you know a little bit upsetting that we had to go out so early because um, for those who don't know, if you set out camera gear you know, over a period of time outside, especially in a humid climate like it is in Florida, condensation builds up. It rained literally 15 minutes after we finished setting up for some of us. Downpoured. It downpoured, yeah. Downpoured. So, um, and obviously, we're doing the best we can to keep everything, the elements, away from the camera gear. But um, Yeah, sure. At some, at some yeah, point, right? We're totally just, not just using trash bags. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, but, you know, th- other things like batteries and memory cards and, you know, just oh. the normal camera stuff that you yep. run into, you know, as any type of photographer uh, kind of gets in the way. So for them to be out there for that amount of time over, you know, the last couple of days, you know, it was definitely a little nerve wracking. But they were they were nice enough to bring us out again yeah. this morning well they also brought us out like last night and then we did all it was yeah what it, it, it is what it is so but hey we got there it. we're here now everything is good um you know hopefully if it goes there's going to be some beautiful media covered yeah and, i think uh, the biggest scare was like because it was going to be kind of foggy this yeah. not fog it kind of station was like, not gonna be able to burn off by that point so yeah. uh we got to put hand warmers on it yeah so hand warmers burn off the kind of station from help. the so stuff like that so yeah even the dew point yeah, so yeah, that's artist one. It's long. Let's see. Count. Um, I'm sure NASA's coverage will start like at like two ish or something like that. Yeah, and then um, I think uh, a bunch of the other media outlets that stream on on the YouTube's are starting. Yeah. Mid-day. To be fair, um, by the time you guys are listening to this, most people watch this or listen to this after the fact. You already know what happened. Either so it have went fun. Or it didn't. Please trash us in the comments if we got the, <laughs> any of this wrong. Um, we appreciate it. <laughs> So let's yeah. get into some of the headlines, though, before cool. we, uh, you know, and we get into this episode. Uh, we already talked about, like, the one that we already had was Artemis 1. Yep. And so let's go into a company we haven't talked a lot about on the show. I don't think we talked about it at all. It's ABL Space Systems. We have not. I think it may have flown by. It probably got thrown a list of yeah. small sat launchers. And that's kind of what they are. They're similar to Firefly, Rocket Lab, um, yeah. and, and Astra and whatnot. So they're, they're launching, you know, they have a smaller smaller rocket launching smaller payloads. They actually just, it kind of came out of the blue. Um, they were like, oh, we're launching. Uh, we, we got a launch uh, license and we're going to be launching next week. I'm like, cool. Nice. And uh, sadly, they had the scrub. Uh, they had a, let's actually pull up the tweet where the actual issue was that they had some off nominal data observed uh, during the fill of stage one. So break that down. Um, <laughs> so their data was not looking good. <laughs> That's pretty much what it means. Yeah. yeah they saw so something they didn't like. They just saw something they didn't yeah. like. And so they, yeah, they scrubbed the launch attempt and then they have a window through a C3 here. What's the window uh, through the 21st of November. Um, so I guess it's every day from 1 to 4 p.m. apparently is what they're at. And they're launching out of uh, Kodiak, Alaska. Which is uh, a cool spot. It's, it's, re- a really it's, a really, cool it's a really cool view. I actually really like that spaceport. It looks really cool. I have wish you I, been there? I wish. No, I have yeah, not. Same here. No, one I, day. One I, day. For this west I've gone is California. I've never gone further north. So, oh, okay. so yeah, that's right. as far far as close as I've, I've gotten to Alaska. I've been in that region, but I've never been to uh I have I have family who lives in Fairbanks. I, you know, Fairbanks, let's so just go. Yeah, I just be like, hey, I'm coming to see you, and then like ditch them and go to a launch. Yeah, how far yeah. is it from there? I have no idea. Oh. I've not planned. <laughs> you could be completely wrong. Like I have not hey, planned. By it's the way, Ala- it is Alaska's the biggest state. Big. Yeah, 
<laughs> it's like saying, well, yeah, Dallas is right by Houston. And then you go like, yeah, you yeah, actually go yeah, to Texas. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, Fairbanks is right by yeah. Kodiak. And then it's like six-hour drives. Yeah, like, oh. hey, I'm coming to Miami. Let's go to Disney World. Like, uh, Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's probably better than Dallas to Houston, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah well, it's Texas, dude. <laughs> Texas is. That's probably better, better than that. So, yeah, so they're, they're launching uh, out of Kodiak, which is, nice. again, uh, that's yeah, where Astro a, launched. A place. It's an interesting spaceport because that spaceport actually, uh, I remember I talked to the guy who runs it, and he goes, like, it's a military space. It's like they launched military rockets. Yep. They, they've been doing it for decades. Even though it's new to, like, us commercially-wise, mm-hmm. it's been around for a super long time. Yeah. And they had to like kind of convince the military, like, can you give can us you please these give us the spots of Russia? You will have priority. Rockets. We promise. If you want to launch something, you know, your once a year launch, you can do it. Yeah. Then we'll like make you some money and like get these commercial yeah. people. They did it for Astra, enough ABL, and that's so that's kind of what they've yeah. done. It's super nice. cool. So, um, yeah, it's cool. Sad to see a scrub, but yeah. uh, rather not see a rud. So, ooh, uh, it rhymes. So it must make sense. It's the, I did not come up with that on the spot. That is so many other people. Have just All right, on to the next headline. Yeah, so Rocket Lab, another, again, we just talked about another small set launcher, uh, Electron, is coming to the U.S. We've been, like, kind of waiting for this for years mm-hmm. now. Um, they built up a launch pad out in Virginia, the uh, MARS, uh, Mid-Atlantic Region Spaceport. Mid-Atlantic Regional These Spaceport? These acronyms, man, they're getting, cr- like, know. everybody's, I feel like, it's like, okay, let's think of the acronym first, and then we'll tack a bunch of words to it. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so uh, that's where Antares launches from. Yep. You know, Antares, they launched to the International Space Station there. Um, they're actually sharing the pad pretty much with Antares, which is super cool. Didn't that launch just the other day? Was it something Yeah, launched they launched, like, yeah, it wasn't, was it, uh, was it over the weekend or the weekend before that, I think, maybe? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, they just launched uh, a recent, um, and that one had a, that was the other thing last week. There was like a, Saddle, uh, just no solar panels weren't deploying. It yeah. was like the weirdest thing. It was like uh, Cygnus didn't deploy. Um, Lucy, they were talking about uh, Lucy. This was launched like earlier this year. They didn't deploy. Um, it was like weird. I don't know what's going on with solar panels, but they're not deploying no more. So, um, for the love of God, uh, Artemis, do not continue on that trend. Um, so yeah, they opened up. They said their their launch window for their first U.S. based launch. They usually launch out of New Zealand, which again is, I think, New Zealand's. Uh, spaceport is like the be- most beautiful one yeah, in the world. Like be. it's I mean, that, dude. Anything that looks like you know, Lord when of you're just it's like <laughs> it does. Those drone shots or helicopter yeah. shots they use are just yeah. phenomenal. I love it. Uh, so yeah, they usually launch out there, but they're launching. They want to launch at the U.S. as well for nice. for military ver- uh, or DoD reasons. Um, that window opens up December seventh, which I saw that and I totally was happy, and I did not swear. I did not was I, I I'm very happy. For those who I are not just, watching the video. I just I'm like Seth I'm just staring into the I'm camera just just like, shaking his head. I've been traveling like nonstop for the past like two months, I feel like. And uh, I'm like, Artemis One's gonna launch. I'm done for like two months. I go to like we're going I have a Vegas trip. Production team, engineer team, cue the violin. You know, you everyone wants a job where you travel until you until have you a job have, that you travel and so you just. True, dude. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. So I, I, I'm sitting there like I don't know if I because they're only looking at it through Twitter or Instagram, right? Yeah. You're not seeing the. Um, 
Uh, I have to pack my the, suitcase again. The three days to drive from Wisconsin to yeah. Florida with all my gear, like, and you get there and you just gotta, like you just throw everything in a room. Yeah. And you're just like, I oh, will deal with that later. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I didn't deal with that. Now I have to repack it into my car. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, yeah, that's pretty. So all yeah, bad eating habits. Like you're eating and living. Out Dude, I am breaking out like crazy. Even though I'm drinking nothing but water, like I'm just eating terrible right now. Yeah. So I actually bought a big thing of grapes. I'm gonna bring tonight. It's just eat grapes. Instead of eating like Oreos, like I did last time, like yeah, I think I'm like, not the best idea. I think I'm buying some Oreos just in case it does like something goes wrong, yeah. and I just for comfort food. But I'm gonna just any uh, any meal grapes, kit, any meal kit uh, sponsorships out there, hit us up. I don't think they have a microwave on the press site, but we could probably bring a microwave and plug it in. There's plenty of Teslas out there. We could yeah, probably plug uh, yeah, it in exactly. Too. So I have a converter for my car. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Someone's got a battery bank. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a battery bank that has an outlet, but yeah, like there you go. it's big and chunky, but it charges one Mavic Three battery. That's oh, it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's done after that. So yeah. So that. Uh, so yeah, December seventh. I don't know when the actual window closes on that, uh, but that I, I want to go so bad to it, but also I want to sleep. Yeah. So yeah, that is uh, that's coming up on uh, next month, hopefully. Cool. Uh, which it would be exciting. I've never seen. A, we've never. No one. I don't think anyone has seen a. Uh, Electron, like a launch media-wise, U.S.-based media, because yeah. they don't. It's Almost. a private launch uh, spaceport out there in New Zealand. They don't really have, understandably, the like they don't. Yeah. There's no one really to go out there and see the launch. So right. <laughs> it's it's pretty far out there. So that's that's why they haven't seen it. Um, next up, we have an interest. This is actually interesting. Sorry, I didn't read this. Read this until last night. Uh, Reuters broke this. Um, that Richard Branson is facing lawsuits over Virginia, uh, Virginia, Virgin Galactic shares. Uh, so pretty much. What uh, is allegedly uh, you know brought up to uh, to Branson is that he kind of um, so he falsely stated like uh, how good the rockets like how good Virgin Galactic mm-hmm. is doing space like whether that they're having space plane problems or not and then sold shares apparently last year um, at a high. I um, think this is every publicly traded large every company, company is on like trading <laughs> super low compared to last year. To be honest, no, but I feel like this this particular like alleged activity. You mm-hmm. can put in X CEO founder yeah. and then X company and then X like product that yeah. they're talking about, you know, like yeah, which is just true. And then this is kind of the first time we've seen it though with like a space spec. And right, right. if you don't know what spec is, special purpose acquisition company. Yep. That's how a little bit different. Rocket Lab went public. That's how um, uh, who else went? Astro went public that way. Uh, to so many different companies like Redwire Space, whatnot, um, and it was very popular way. It was a very easy way of go, going public. It's pretty much was a already publicly traded company, which is called a SPAC, buys a private company, and then they kind of go, they kind of right. like merge right. together. Um, so, uh, Virgin Galactic went this way, and I guess it's kind of the first time we've seen some actual like something's going on. Like maybe we gotta check it out, make sure these are, these aren't scams because yeah, a lot of yeah. them fail, and a lot of them like the people who run the SPACs. They merge, their shares go skyrocket, yep. they sell and so dip. What do you think so. is more volatile? Crypto or the space industry? <laughs> Dude, right now, I mean, uh, no one in the space industry is throwing a bunch of money on a plane and like flew yeah, down to the true. Caribbean and yeah, trying to get trying to get over to uh more than men go. I don't know where they're going, Iran or Iraq, whatever. I don't know what's going on with that that FTX or uh, yeah. I don't know. I've sold my shares of of uh of all the space backs and uh <laughs> 
uh, crypto a long, long time ago. I got out of that so quickly. So pretty much one thing that right now about Virgin Galactic is it was a, it went very it was one of those companies that went very very high when they went public. Right, right. Um, they had well, a, because they had they had such a strong. Like they have a legacy of like like Virgin wins, as right? a whole. Virgin, the Virgin the Group has. has a very large uh, company, and I don't know if Virgin Group is publicly anywhere else. I think it's like their only. I think Virgin Galactic is their only publicly traded entity. Got it. And so it was kind of like awesome. Let's buy in the richer branches of companies. Yeah, they're all yeah. really great. Virgin. I mean, the airlines. I mean, everyone. They're all yeah, great. Airlines. The record. Um, they have Virgin like. Orbit as well, which is like their commercial launcher, um, which is which is done pretty well as well. Um, they had a great, a successful first flight. Right. Um, although then afterwards it came out that oh you know you flew out airspace which is a big no-no for the faa um they were really not happy about that um and then they've had some structural issues with some of the planes and so one of the things that they say they need that branson's going to have to defend is he said after his flight which was the first um, flight was that it went flawlessly which as a customer that flight did go flawlessly right. for them they were able to drop they went up they got some zero g's they came back and landed for them it's flawless right now as the owner of the company him saying that, and actually there were issues. I guess there's problems there, but I don't know. I, as, as a customer, I would. Yeah, I don't know, um, man. It's as someone who law. just walked off that plane, like it would have gone flawlessly. That's. I think that's when he said it. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I have to go back and see like when he actually made that statement. Um, if it was like after he walked off the plane, or if it was in, like a press conference afterwards, where he probably could have been briefed on the <laughs> issues if they even briefed him. I mean. Sh- Branson's not really like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, where he's a hands-on type guy. He's more right, of right. a visionary um like visionary kind of person who who kind of inspires the workforce rather than technically leads them so uh yeah that's kind of what's going on with that all right so last topic for the news yeah so uh, gwen shotwell is taking over control of the starbase operations down in boca chica texas and uh, my thought is uh how bad does it have to be down there that shotwell has to take over well because my first thought was is this is this a trickling effect from Twitter? It is it probably that to be, too. Right? So this is actually because I, did we talk about this last week? Because I don't. I think we that story. There were two stories that broke from the information. This comes from. Well, we didn't do a podcast last week. So yeah, we no, did not talk. I'm about trying it. to think of. It, I'm trying to think when that that first information report came out. Um, so information has been on a roll. They have to, they have a reporter just on Elon Musk. It's hilarious. Um, yeah. And so uh, she uh, she reported uh, Becky. Her name is. Uh, she reported that. Starbase now the VP of Star um, not the, yeah the VP that who runs um, Starlink took over Starbase, yep. Yep. Um, and now <laughs> it, now Shotwell is taking over Starbase. So this I guess the the VP who ran Starlink took over um, months ago, right. and then this is more of a recent thing that Shotwell is taking over. I guess the management of Starbase and Star, Starship, right. yeah, the operations and um, uh, Joe. Uh, oh, John Custa, I think his name is. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna murder his name. It's down here somewhere. Um, but uh, he's he's leading the uh, technical side of things. Okay. Um, and so he, uh, there always already was like a, a director of, of Starship. Mm-hmm. Um, he apparently wasn't fired. He might be moving somewhere else. Apparently, I don't know where. Um, <laughs> he's like he's like Milton in the office in office uh, space. They're just gonna move him down to the basement he's just he's like you're gonna oversee yeah this paper stack or in, paperwork, uh, and you're in gonna silicon valley else. when they move you to the server farm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna see the server <laughs> you're you're yeah the solar panels the solar farm yeah. you're gonna see the solar farm um yeah so uh, he i mean he's a great guy he's been he's uh that guy who ran starbits before um patel he uh uh he was the he was an intern at star at, at wow. spacex back in like 2008 eight That's i think crazy. and he's moved on up to be the director of starbase and he was actually le- uh, in, in, uh, in charge of launch 
over in the Cape. So I'm sure he'll move somewhere back um, into that field because he's been pretty good at that. Um, but this is definitely something to do with Twitter. Because yeah, it has to be. He's, Elon's been doing nothing about Twitter for the past, like, three weeks. Well, I was going to say, even if it's just, like, like a cover, you know, to make it look like... There is still someone there, in charge. There's somebody, yeah, there's, like, mm-hmm. there is a mom Don't and dad worry. around when the kids are playing. You know, like... <laughs> Don't worry, everything's under control. Yeah, no yeah, yeah everything's yeah. under control. Which is, uh, which is probably some of the NASA prizes. Why are you concerned about? Because Starship is a NASA now, not necessarily a hundred percent funded. No, but it's but a project. It's a project that yeah. NASA has a lot of interest in, right, um, right. for for Artemis. So I'm sure they're kind of like, yeah, well, well, why don't we put Shotwell in charge of it? And they're like, yeah, hell yes, yes, good idea, <laughs> yeah, it's Go. good. We are okay with this one instead of right. Elon. Yes, right. please put Shotwell in charge. Um, that uh, so I haven't I haven't checked in on Elon Jet Twitter and see when the last time he even flew down there. He's been bouncing around Twitter headquarters like all day long. <laughs> so. The, it's just literally hip tracking him around the building. Yeah, no. Well, I, he's been flying between like New York, and then I think they have one in San Jose, yeah. and like he's been flying between all around those. Um, and it's funny. Apparently, Twitter employees use that Twitter uh, that uh, they use that Twitter account to know when to know Elon's when he's coming. coming to his their office. They're like, oh shoot, Dude. he's coming to our office now. So that uh, that's interesting. That's crazy. So yeah, that is. Uh, we'll see how this goes. I don't. I, I, there's one last thing. Oh yeah, one last thing to talk about. Uh, there is actually a Tesla executive who's taken over control of production for Starship. Yeah. Um, his name is. Let's see how bad I'm going to murder this name. And I'm looking through the article. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. Where is it? Oh my gosh! I can't find it. Whatever. Um, Put a clock. What do 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 do? <laughs> yeah, I, I seriously cannot find his name. Uh, but uh, he was a uh, he was apparently in charge of the uh, construction of Tesla's Austin factory. So he is moving over to Starship production. He is the oh Omed Ashar Afshar. Well, at least like I mean, is those n- kind of moves definitely make sense, right? I think it it was getting weird. He has a lot of pro- experience with production, yeah, and but this. but that makes sense. It's like a one to one translation. Yeah, almost, I, right. And we don't. Uh, one thing that uh, the information wanted to say that they don't know when this started, so that he could have been there for a long time. Apparently, yeah. he has been like non-existent from Tesla for a very long time and so, there apparently chances was are that's probably weird. Yeah, he also had a lawsuit against them. I don't know. It's weird. That's that's a whole rabbit hole if you want. I, I think uh, I talked to our electric editor in chief and he was going to write an article about it. Nice. So right. maybe he'll have Head something. Over there. Maybe he'll have something, but he's now the Excuse me. He is now the vice president of Starship Production. So uh, he reports cool. again, reports directly to Musk, and uh, I think he already has like ninety directly reports over at yeah, Twitter. That's so crazy, dude. Um, that's just a Twitter. I don't want to know what goes at SpaceX and, Star- and, and yeah, Tesla. I don't know. That's crazy. I don't know how this dude does it. So uh, cool. Well, <laughs> this week we have a little bit different format of a podcast. Yep. Uh, we've got an interview that you've done coming up. We're going to introduce I, that. We pulled second. out, we went to the sta- uh, Space Squad vaults to pull this interview yeah. out, actually. No, this is, this is a cool interview. So, I, Yeah, I called you, I'm like, what, our main topic is Artemis 1, but it hasn't launched. When we record, it's yeah. not going to launch. Yeah, so what's yeah. the point of doing a whole deep dive when we right, don't know right, the outcome? Right. And right. so I'm like, well, I have this interview. Uh, so if you're watching the video, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a, just an audio video interview, so we'll have to figure out a way to, to do that. But um, uh, I went back, and I had this great idea. Um, it was April, I think it was. And I'm like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this podcast series. It's deep dives in the spaceports. I'm going to get a bunch of different spaceports on. It's going to be great. Um, the only people who reached who responded to my email was uh, the great people at Kennedy Space Center. So uh, I appreciate you. Uh, everyone else wanted to talk to me, apparently. Um, so uh, no, it's a it's a cool interview. Yeah, we had a great interview to, uh, about what's the 21st century spaceport. Yeah, um, and uh, and uh, actually, I, dang it, I have 
I put this on. Okay. Yeah. So it's with, uh, with Tom Angler. He's the director of center planning and development over at Kennedy space center. Uh, we did this just before the 60th anniversary. So yeah. actually I went through it. I'm like, wow, this is a lot of it. Still like still pretty no, relevant. It's still, relevant. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's super all super relevant. relevant. The only thing that you'll see that, that dates the interview is that we talked about, yeah, we're going to roll out S less soon. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, that's the only thing that, that dates but, it. Not really. Cause they just rolled it out last. They week. really <laughs> did just roll it out. That is true for the, <laughs> Six, seven, yeah. I don't know how so, many times. So, uh, but yeah, right now we're going to take a break and then we'll cue that interview up. Yep, and, sounds good. Uh, get you going. So, uh, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time and sitting down with us. Uh, you are uh, you work you work here down there in Kennedy Space Center with NASA. Um, every interview I do, I like to uh, get to know the the person I'm interviewing and, and then how they kind of got to it, where they are because everyone's a little bit different on how. Um, how they got to their where they are and how they love space. So could you could you talk about kind of like who you are and, and um, how you got to your interest in space and your position? Sure, absolutely. So I actually grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, my dad, interestingly enough, worked for Marshall Space Flight Center as a structural engineer who helped design uh, Apollo One or Apollo or Saturn Five first stage, actually even Saturn One first stage, and then moved into shuttle you know, a solid rocket booster component design. And other than watching launches, obviously, which which are which is fantastic. One of my first real memories of anything space related is going out to with him on a Saturday when they had some of the solid rocket booster aft skirt prototypes in in a facility out at Marshall and watching him crawl around the aft skirt and and decide where to reinforce and do structural mods and things like that to help ensure that the the system was designed properly. So that that obviously being growing up in that environment, growing up in Huntsville uh, with that kind of legacy helped to, I think, spark my interest. And then I went to University of Alabama in Huntsville, got an electrical engineering degree, and then was fortunate enough to hire on to NASA at Marshall Space Flight Center directly out of college. And, nice. and yeah, so while in Huntsville, I was in an area that did data systems for shuttle launch process shuttle data launch processing and payload, uh, payload control and commanding. And so that's kind of how I cut my teeth in, in, in the NASA world is doing data system design and verification fun. And then I had the opportunity to come to Kennedy Space Center working actually in safety and mission assurance uh, for Marshall for the shuttle program at Kennedy. So it was a, it was a weird bridge between all of the worlds that, that kind of exist, you know, in the shuttle program, but it was fascinating. And so I was down here in 1994 and have been here ever since uh, through, throughout the entire you know, shuttle program to the end. And then had the opportunity at that point to go into a couple different locations and this whole concept of partnering and and developing ksc as a multi-user spaceport was really very fascinating to me and so i went that route into the become the the branch chief of the partnerships development branch in center planning and development and so that's where i've been ever since and so we've been able to kind of participate and lead the, the transition of Kennedy from a single use focused on shuttle kind of facility to one in which supports multiple commercial users being on site, doing various activities from manufacturing to launch and 
and uh, it was a pretty been a pretty neat ride to be able to get to where we are today and and really have more to go so it's really it's really pretty fun awesome yeah. could you go over kind of who all launches right now at kennedy um and who uh, who what they do now and, and what type of facilities they use so launching from kennedy in particular right now spacex of course from 39a and i'm sure you've been seeing a lot of the activity at 39B for Space Launch System and the Artemis program. So we're, we're getting very close to rollout for that. That's a whole whole different set of interviews. I'm sure you could <laughs> help you do with, uh, with that group of folks. They're doing a lot of fantastic work to, to get everything ready for, for Artemis launch. And then in addition, we've got a lot of of varied activities here on center. Uh, one of the one of the neat things we we have a master plan that we put together and, and was approved in 2014 for the center. And one of the key goals that we had for our master plan was to have five commercial human spaceflight companies at Kennedy by 2025. Really, kind of a very audacious goal. But when you look at what we've done since then, and 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 what we always like to do is put in context of commercial or human space flight in general. And, and up until now, until SpaceX flew, only three countries had ever flown humans to space, United States, Russia, and China. So to have five commercial human space flight com companies at KSC was, was a pretty significant goal. But if you look at where we are now, you've got Boeing with CST-100 and their, their human space flight development there. Um, obviously, SpaceX flying uh, uh, Crew Dragon off of 39A, uh, 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 Lockheed Martin with Orion getting ready to fly, obviously, on SLS, and then Blue Origin manufacturing their, their launch capability in Exploration Park at Kennedy Space Center, and they'll be launching from Launch Complex 36 on Cape Canaveral Space Force Station. So at Kennedy now, we have four companies doing human spaceflight activities which which is an environment that just doesn't exist anywhere else in the world it's it's unique and it's amazing and it's been fun to watch it all come together and make it happen who can launch it at kennedy like do you can you kind of like say is there like a process of going through this to launch at kennedy of, of what sort of companies you're looking for so where we are right now is an with respect to the land and, and the sites that we have available per our master plan for, for launch, we have Launch Complex 49, which SpaceX has, has expressed interest in, and we're now doing the environmental work to see how that will, will all work out for 49. Of course, uh, Space Launch System off of 39B and, and the Artemis program, and then 39B is actually a multi-user launch pad so it's been designed that, that anybody that can come in and connect to the interfaces on the pad could launch from there. And so there's been some interest expressed. Uh, we actually had um, Northrop Grumman come in a few years ago with, with their Omega vehicle. Unfortunately, that, that didn't pan out the way we were hoping it would to have them actually launch, but we were prepared to support their launches from 39B. And so they came in through a process which which allowed them to would have would have allowed them to launch from 39B. So that that pad is available for more than just space launch system launches, and then of course 39A with SpaceX, and then we have Launch Complex 48, which was built for small class launch vehicles. So there's there's several companies that have come to us and and are planning to launch from Launch Complex 48, 
over the next few years. And, and the nice thing about 48 is it's designed as a clean pad also. So company comes in, sets up, launches, and then leaves, and then they don't have to build the infrastructure and do the operations and maintenance on, on a lot of infrastructure that, uh, that is there already. So it it's, works out to be very well for those folks. So that's kind of the, the infrastructure and the capabilities that we have now inside of the, the secure boundary for Kennedy Space Center. And you talk a lot about launches, and I think everyone kind of thinks of launches when they think of spaceports. Uh, what other functions does Kennedy house for that it, would you consider as a spaceport function? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. And it's a, it's a lot. I mean, it's hard to kind of categorize, but but payload processing, uh, we have capability to do that and, and are looking to see, you know, there's commercial companies that would like to come in and build more payload processing capabilities. There's now the manufacturing for, for space launch that is happening on center with Blue Origin and their, their giant manufacturing complex. And then, of course, three spacecraft being built on uh, Kennedy Space Center property for, for launches, uh, you know. And then... Um, all of the analysis capabilities that have been developed for well over 60 years at Kennedy to analyze various aspects of anything related to spaceflight, and that can be anywhere from, you know, failure analysis if something breaks or you see something that you don't quite understand. We have a large number of labs that are that have very highly trained folks specialized in understanding what might be going on and, and trying to help come to a, a solution to solve whatever problem exists. And then we've also got a great research and technology uh, set of, of personnel here as well that in order to accomplish space flight, we have to find ways, new ways to do things and do them more effectively. So there's a lot, a lot of the research we do is, is what would be known as applied research where we have a problem and we have to solve it. And so the researchers go in and try to figure out how to make a particular process or function or capability better so that we're, we're more effective in our, our launch phase. But uh, yeah, that's really awesome to, to see, you know, there's not just launch pads. You're going to come in and you got to do so much more. Uh, and, and Spaceport is really just not a place with launch sites. It's a whole backbone of, of facilities. It, it absolutely is. And it, it, it's one of those things, uh, you know, to use that term, it takes a village, right? It, you can't just come in and, and just set up and go. You, there's a lot that has to go in from engineering systems to support the spaceflight activities. Uh, the neat thing is, is again, over the over 60 years of, of spaceflight activities, we've built a lot of in infrastructure for government use that is now supporting commercial space launches. And that includes things like our electrical grid and and then more importantly, the or as importantly, the uh, ability to flow helium and gas, gaseous helium and nitrogen to the, the launch vehicles to help them be safe during launch. So there, there's a lot of infrastructure like that, a lot of capability that, that helps support the launches from a day-to-day -day basis. And you, you've mentioned uh, several times, I mean, this is a great uh, timing of, of us doing this interview, is the 60th anniversary of Kennedy Space Center, and you've been doing a lot of things from Saturn to shuttle to now a commercial spaceport. What sort of changes um, has an operations of Kennedy gone through from your experience with the shuttle program to now this commercial and SLS operation? So the it's it's an interesting hybrid from where we were. So 
during shuttle, the, the Apollo program, the shuttle program, Kennedy Space Center was by and for the NASA programs and ensuring that we were able to support the Apollo missions and then the shuttle missions. And, and those were there, again, we were there to support those missions in its entirety. The interesting transition and the fun transition from that to where we are now is we still have the government space mission, which is Space Launch System and the Artemis program. And we're, we're obviously laser focused on that to ensure that, that we're continuing to meet the high standards that have been set over the 60 years of space flight activities on the center. But in addition, we've also been gotten to a point where we are supporting commercial space flight activities. And so not only do we perform space flight, but we also support space flight from, you know, across the board. So any rocket that launches from either Kennedy or the Cape Canaveral Space Force Station right now does require Kennedy Space Center to be involved from a support perspective to ensure that the, the commodities are flowing and that we are supporting the launch accordingly. So, so we have become not only a, you know, a, we're basically now a supplier as well as a user of, of the, all of the commodities and systems that we have here on center. So it's, it's been interesting to transition to that and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's taken some adjustments as you would expect, uh, you know, but, but the team here at Kennedy has excelled in that and, and proud to say, you know, to date, we've not, you know, impacted any, any commercial launches, you know, with, with, uh, you know, that we've, we support every launch uh, successfully and, and we're good, you know, continue to plan to do so. So it's gone very well overall with regard to all that. Uh, what would you say the split is between the civil such NASA operations and operations that are solely based for commercial purposes between companies doing their work as, as well as NASA working for their on uh, commercial companies there. It's hard to quantify that split between commercial and government space right now, uh, because there's a lot of activity happening in the area of government space. If you, if you look at everything that's happening on center right now, there are, a number of, of very important programs working on center. The, the most obvious, of course, is Space Launch System and, and uh, the Exploration Ground Systems Program that's supporting that activity. You've got the Launch Services Program that's, that's supporting NASA missions on uh, expendable launch vehicles, the Exploration Research and Technology Program that is, that is uh, supporting all of the space station activities and, and the research that I mentioned earlier. Uh, gateway program that is uh, that is uh, managing the logistics uh, for the gateway program for the Artemis mission, and so there's a lot of lot of activity happening on the government side. And the neat thing is is that the commercial folks are supporting a lot of activities as well for the government space side, and that would be SpaceX flying. Um, you know, commercial cargo missions and as well commercial crew missions. So those are NASA programs, but they're being they're flying on commercial launch vehicles. Uh, Boeing with the commercial crew program, and then uh, you know, of course, there there's the extensions that are happening with the the launch services program and the venture class launch services launches uh, on the small class launch vehicles that will be flying from. Kennedy and the uh, Space Force Station. So, so again, it it it's an interesting mix now of 
commercial and government space where in addition to what you would kind of consider your traditional government space activities, a lot of the commercial space act activities support the government mission. And then of course the commercial space activities do true commercial space launching satellites and things like that. So it's, it's a really neat combination of activities here. What sort of, you know, and what kind of challenges does bringing that kind of split, uh, split nature have where you kind of, you, you, want to bring these commercial industries and you want to also have it be a government site, but you got to give the commercial companies their space kind of to do their thing and let them not impede their, you know, culture of who they are. Uh, you know, what kind of challenges, you know, uh, do that? Does that bring? So I'll say we addressed those challenges at Kennedy early on. And one of the things our safety team did even as early as 2011, 2012 is create a basically a commercial only safety volume. So we have our safety requirements for NASA work, and those are extensive as you would expect. And then uh, for areas where you have mixed government and commercial activities, there's there's safety requirements for that as well. But what we what our team really did and, and I think did extremely well is focused on developing safety requirements for commercial companies like Boeing and SpaceX and, and Lockheed Martin that are effectively operating in their own facilities that puts most of the safety responsibilities onto the companies. And, and what we ask them to do is tell us if they're going to have an operation that could create a hazard outside of their fence line. And at that point, our team manages that and, and, and manages it in the way that we block off roads and, and help to ensure safety of the public. But even with that, the, the commercial companies are um, responsible for managing their own safety within their facilities. So they are operating effectively on center the same way they would be operating as if they were in Titusville or Tennessee or wherever. We, we don't put a lot of extra burden on them. We just tell them they have to follow active federal laws like OSHA and the National Environmental Policy Act. And we don't put a lot of extra burden on on them inside their facilities as long as they're operating in a way that that would not impact uh, anybody outside the facility. So it's it's worked really well and and has allowed these companies to to build their own business in a way that they see most being most effective to them. I've been down there a few times. I've actually only been uh, been on uh, site at Kennedy once. Uh, on site, other than you know visiting the visitor complex, uh, I've been on the Space Force Station side. Uh, I can't even count at this point anymore. But you have a beautiful you know nature reserve that you guys are on. You know what's kind of that uh, that relationship between building a, a multi-use spaceport, but also having this you know nature reserve that you that you manage or help uh, preserve. So one of the certainly I think the achievements that we have done over the last, you know, little while is is working well with nature. You would kind of expect that having space launch activities next to a nature preserve is kind of counterintuitive, but we have a great relationship with the uh, Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge personnel and, and the Cape Canaveral National Seashore, and we are continually striving to honor that that relationship, we, you know, we work to make sure that any impacts to the environment are minimized or eliminated to the maximum extent possible. 
And so we understand uh, the responsibility that we have and that we are continually, and that's one of the research areas that, that's always undergoing here is to ensure that whatever we're doing is, is not impacting the environment negatively. We have a great environmental team here on site that, that keeps us all making sure we're heading in the right direction from an environmental perspective. And so, uh, you know, like I said, we, we just work constantly to ensure that we're in, in uh, I guess, in harmony with nature to the maximum extent possible. And you have, you talked about LC49 and 48, uh, you, they're, they're kind of your future projects and you've grown, you have, you have the industrial area and you have the or the Astros on Space Health Center, but you have your, you have your kind of your your headquartered area and your VAB area and two launch pads, well, eventually four, hopefully. And uh, how much further do you have like space to grow down there until you start running out of space? And that's another great question. So we actually, so again, I mentioned the the Kennedy Space Center master plan that we got approved in 2014, and basically it took a look at the center as a whole and and determined how we could lay out the center. So. We just recently went through the beginnings of the update of that, and to that end, we had to update our planning for for where we could do work, and, and there's a number of things that factor into that, as you would expect. Sea level rise, the, the extensive habitat we have for threatened and endangered species, the wetlands, um, and then also ensuring that we don't mix hazardous facilities with non-hazardous facilities. So when you do all that, um, right now we've probably got about 7,000 acres developed on Kennedy in total, and that's out of the 144,000 acres that we have allocated to Kennedy Space Center. Factoring in all those constraints, uh, we have maybe another five to 7,000 acres that we could develop. Um, So it's, it's, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not a lot of acreage when you look at our overall set of acreage, but it's still a lot of development that we could do here on center. That's basically almost another Kennedy Space Center down there. Effectively, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could look uh, at it that way, yes. There's already a lot down there. You can fit so much more of it if you can use the space right. just, as, just as good. Right. Sea level rise, you said you said sea level, sea level rise, and you don't, I don't really, you've really, you don't really hear about that that often down in Kennedy. Like, how big of a threat is that? Well, I mean, so when it's hard for me to quantify that because, you know, I'm not an expert in that. That's that's mm-hmm. our environmental team, but that is something we're very concerned about. And so as we're doing new development, we have to ensure that the facilities we're developing are are hardened against the potential for sea level rise. So it's something that is basically in in everything that we're doing from a development perspective on a on a daily basis here so and in addition we have to we're now taking a look at what will be required to protect the existing facilities that are on kennedy Uh, so you know we're being next to the ocean you know it's not like there's a lot of altitude here to to uh, absorb sea level rise so we're we're working constantly to try to determine what the best way is in the long run to protect the center Looking into the the future of Kennedy, what sort of um, changes do you expect to see down there uh, as you move even more commercial? I'm not sure that I can answer that question. I, you know, sometimes it's hard. You know, it's hard to believe that we've gotten as far as we've gotten 
So I, you know, they're the one thing, you know, that, like that old saying goes, the one constant in life and is change. And there's been a lot of change here at Kennedy, a lot of, lot of really great change. And, and the nice thing is it's all been very symbiotic with, with the change. It's all worked well together. And, and so as we look to move forward, I, you know, one of the things we're looking at is how to incorporate more of the supply chain into the activities here on center because obviously supply chain is is something that is the lifeblood of any any organization so making sure that we've got the right support systems and the companies that can support those activities over the long run um and and so there's always interesting opportunities coming in through the front door that we really hadn't considered before, but we're always open to looking at as long as they're compatible with the type of activities we're doing here on center, uh, anywhere from clean energy, you know, something you know you wouldn't think would be uh, anything we'd have done, but we we recently completed with uh, a, an agreement with Florida Power and Light for 74 and a half megawatt solar site, and and the reason that was important to us is renewable energy is is something that is is going to help make life better for us here on, on earth so having that kind of site here on kennedy space center uh, was was very you know compatible with the types of activities we're doing so th those are the kind of opportunities we're looking for research and development there's there's a continual uh focus on on how we can make the ability to launch the space more effective and and so uh, any of those kind of things we're looking at. I, I don't, you know, we're always open to pretty much any kind of activity as long as it it supports our overall plan to to do, um, you know, research and development or or engineering that's related to aerospace type activities. So, uh, you know, sky's the limit, you know, figuratively speaking, with respect to what we can what, what we can bring on site here and what we're looking to do. And uh, it's it's always fun and interesting to see what what all pops through the door. Going back now on more specific stuff, like on LC forty nine, we talked to you before about about it when it first came out about the, the environmental assessment you're working on with SpaceX. How excited are you that you kind of came up with this plan in twenty fourteen, and it might have taken some time, but you're finally someone's interested in that site. Well, and what's really interesting, if you look way back, because we, we do have some of the documents that were developed back during the Apollo program, there was actually two more launch pads planned north of 39B. So there was a 39C and D planned as well that obviously never came to fruition. So we we kind of, in the interest of keeping the environment in mind, we, we dropped that down to one, one launch pad development. And so having a company come in like SpaceX in look to develop that site is is really pretty ex very very exciting for us because it validates again the the planning that we've done the changes that we've we've incorporated on center to support commercial launch activities uh, the neat thing is of course again as as spacex continues to fly they'll, they'll not only do the commercial space mission but they'll support government and military space and so having that additional capability at KSC will be will be very exciting and it will be a great expansion to what we're already doing here. Going into the the 2020s um, and even into the 2030s, what, what would you say your definition is of a 21st century spaceport? I think it's what we have right now. It's one that supports a lot of different activities and and 
being able to support government and commercial space and do so in a way that's efficient and able to be flexible, uh, support multiple launches in a day, which we could do now. We've, we've gotten close a couple of times to having two launches in one day we would support. Um, and scheduling difficulties got in the way of that, but, but we were prepared to do that. So, you know, as, as the industry continues to evolve, we will evolve with it, and we've done so, so far. And, I, you know, the key, I think, for any 21st century spaceport will be flexibility and the ability to support a lot of different customers at the same time in a way that allows them to achieve their spaceflight goals. So that that would be my definition of a 21st century spaceport. And I think in large part here at Kennedy, we've we've gotten to that point. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. It's been really interesting to hear about everything Kennedy's doing down there. Well, I appreciate your time and your interest as well. It's it's a it's a great opportunity to talk about the the you know the really the amazing transformation of Kennedy Space Center over the last 10 years. Uh, you know, building on that 60 years of of spaceflight experience that we have, and incorporating commercial space into that has been just really a, an exciting evolution and one that we knew was coming, but is has really come in in a big way here at Kennedy, and and we were excited just to be a part of that. All right, what was your what was what's the, what was the takeaway you had from the interview? I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. That was. Now the second time I've listened to it, uh, but I actually, I told you when I, my first reaction, and this is real, um, I went into it like, oh my God, like, I hope it's not too in the weeds, mm-hmm. no pun intended for the topic, but I hope it's not too in the weeds because <laughs> a lot of, you know, a lot of space news in general is very technical, is very technical. Yeah. And it, it can be very dry. Um, but I actually found this was really refreshing because it answers a lot of questions of oh yeah like what do they do there yeah yeah there's a lot of, that happens there's a lot that space happens. Yeah, and, it's, and like, it's funny we didn't even talk about a lot of like because you didn't you didn't even talk about the iss national labs yeah is there they have a whole processing yep. facility for the iss which i've i've toured and went through that and it's a huge facility yeah that like never gets talked about um yeah there's so much I, that goes it's on really there. cool it's really cool and then yeah. the other thought that came to mind was wow this is probably exactly almost not not exactly but almost exactly how seaports were probably talked about minus the environmental minus the environmental (laughs) yeah they didn't care about the environment back then but uh how seaports were constructed and talked about back in the day like Mm -hmm. hey we got to get ships in and out of here but what else what else can we do yeah like how do we do this like what's what's yeah what goes in the space yeah and it's so yeah it's really cool i really enjoy just kind of like sitting now just talking about like just being able to ask i'm just like I don't know what you do, so please explain this yeah. to me. Like, yeah, no, uh, it, it was really cool. So, um, and kind of like I'm what the future did, is. Glad you did that. Uh, how they did like from space shuttle to yep. to now they are now because yep. like like what it was for space shuttle. I was like, yeah, we are our only goal from Artemis, sorry, from Artemis, from Apollo to shuttle. Like their whole goal was just to support um, those two missions. They right. had no concern about anything else yep. because they were getting the funding that they needed, and yep. then all of a sudden shuttle went away. Like, oh. We need to move on and support these other things, yeah, and that yeah. was a whole no, change. It, one of the cool things that he brought up was, uh, and I like this part, was he was talking about how all this government infrastructure was built mm-hmm. 
but it's also like it was with a purpose in, for future endeavors, yeah. knowing that you know may, this may not be the end of the line for. What and I mean, did. when they built the VAB, no one at NASA thought that there would be going to lease out space to a commercial company right, to right. build their own rocket. They like, built that thing literally just for. They built like, that Saturday. thing so they can build four <laughs> massive rockets right, inside right. of it. And now, uh, I mean, uh, so they leased out one bay to. Um, uh, north of Grumman when they yeah. wanted the Omega rocket. Uh, they also, uh, apparently, there, there could be rumors of of, uh, of SpaceX going to be releasing out one yep. for, for Starship. There's so. one bay we may be throwing a party in. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, the, tonight <laughs> at uh, yeah, at three at 3.30 after the yeah. launch. So anyway, yep. yeah, dude, good job. Great interview. Um, glad we got that on the channel. Um, yeah, hopefully do super, more. Super good stuff, yeah. Yeah, I'm interviewing um, two ESA astronauts tonight. Cool. So. So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, we got some opinions, some hot takes going. Yeah, and, let's take a break, uh, and then we'll get into those. Oh, yeah, sure thing. Hot takes. And okay. they end up both being about the same topic, but kind of different. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna just gonna, I'm going to say this, man. Uh, roast me in the comments, please, if it doesn't. <laughs> We're setting ourselves up so much for a failure right now. Yeah, uh, but... Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to publish this until, know. like, tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, by the time you listen to this, no one's gonna you, listen you to this before know, the launch. You'll know the answer. But anyway, um, I think it's happening, dude. I think it's happening. The feeling I got even uh, the other day going out to set remotes, mm-hmm. and then the feeling I got today, a lot of optimism, yep. obviously. Yep. Um, but I don't know. There was just a different vibe in the air. The weather feels pretty good. I don't know. Some, it feels like it's gonna happen. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think I just have some gut feeling that's gonna happen. And you know why? I think the excitement is low. <laughs> <laughs> And usually things happen when no one cares anymore. Yeah, that or that. Yeah, I don't think that. no one cares or it anymore. Just be wishful thinking, like, yeah. Can we please get over this. So, kind of one thing I've noticed when I was out there, you were out there with a lot of photographers. I was there with a lot of reporters and journal and writers, uh, and <laughs> everyone's just kind of done. Like, yeah. everyone's like, this is a lot of people. This is their uh, third time out here. Yeah. Fourth, la- technically fourth launch attempt because they did roll it out before. Ian yeah. and then rolled it back in and some people came out for that and they were yeah. here and then they were going back home right. um so it's just like it, it's it's a 1 a.m launch uh, no one's excited about that because yeah, it's gonna that, be dark yeah, it's gonna, and gonna be, gonna be dark, late, it's late at night like some people like you know some people uh like for work like we have to still it, be working during the day like we yeah. can't just take the day off it does and then feel like there's bed. a lot of people that are still going to be traveling at least yeah. that's the buzz in the air i don't know how you know obviously from as far yeah. as they were and they and, they and nasa is warning us to get on site before a certain time before right. traffic gets bad um and we're i'm kind of saying i'm like is traffic gonna get because last time for the even for the first and second launch attempt people showed up like pretty late to yeah. the game and there wasn't really a lot of traffic which uh, if you had said that for like DM two when SpaceX first launched crew, I know, but I think that was some like reason, parking lots. I even even like the like the second attempt, like it felt like it was way too close to the first, and all those issues. There was just no way. Oh, no one was. You know? No one had hope no one, for that. Yeah, second exactly. So that's, like I feel like <laughs> that was been, that was the se- that was the scene. Everyone came in. Well, like no one believed. It I feel was like there's been so much time passed, and who knows? I mean, they're going to be few. We all feel, I feel like it's the first launch attempt again. Well, like it's going to yeah. happen this time. Yeah, NASA I mean, says knows? they're confident. We believe them this time. <laughs> yes, they they totally haven't said this like they're, three different times before that they're confident. I mean, this launching. could this this like prediction could be debunked in like a, a matter of hours when they fuel up. And they're like, nope, not happening. Yeah, because there was a leak in the, the they did a fueling test, and there was a leak that still has gone unresolved. Yeah. They solved it during the during the fueling, but they didn't really come yeah. to a but, conclusion I mean, what caused it. So let's just talk. Let's let's take our like reporter media hats off. Okay, space fans. 
Yeah, let's just yeah, go yeah, space yeah. fans, right? Yep. I am wearing a NASA shirt. I or just understand. normal public. At some point, they have to they have to hit the fire button, right? Because, like, I, they put okay. so much money into it to not Ex- do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if it if a catastrophe happens and it's like it's catastrophic. If this is doomed, right? if this is doomed to fail, they might as well fail it. Exactly. At That's night, my point. That's my where point. no one can see it. Oh well, I was that was not my point. Oh my bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, my but my point was like I, I feel like they're if it's doomed, like they're gonna they're gonna get heat whether they do it or not. They're right? gonna launch it and people are gonna say it's gonna be hundred percent successful and people are gonna say, Well, it's delayed. And sure. they're gonna launch yeah. and they're gonna doomed, fail right? no and they're gonna be like, Well, it was delayed and not failed. Right, right, right. Like so But if they never launch it, they roll it back and they dismantle it, I think that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, like they, they ever have because they are we are coming up on deadlines for the SRBs. They have a certain lifetime for being right. stacked. Like if those have to be rolled back and destacked, like since the and that that means everything has to be destacked because the SRBs are structurally the main point for right. the whole rocket. So like the core stage has to come out, the upper stage, all right, all that has to come off. That is like freaking. That's like on a year. I feel like I have no idea how they're gonna. Like, that's gonna be takes like months to do, and then. Like and that's gonna be just terrible PR for NASA. Like at yeah, what point do you like... want to roll it back and take everything down, or do you want to launch it and like just take a shot and just take a shot? Yeah, <laughs> and be like, well, we tried. Right. Like, yeah, that's my point. Yeah. At yeah. least they sh- they like they shot and also tried. they spent. This is like billions of dollars, so maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. Yeah, but if you're gonna, I mean, like, look, man, if you're gonna go out, if if you're gonna go out on billions of dollars, at least have the best fireworks show ever, <laughs> right? Fuck. All right. <laughs> anyway, all right. All right. Yeah, but uh, so uh, all right. hopefully next week when we're talking to you, we have news and media and all kinds of great stuff. I want to show you launch video yeah. next week. Same too. But, Me too. But we'll see. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I listen. I want to. We'll see if NASA <laughs> wants us to as well. Yeah. Fair. Fair. All right. So, yep, we'll see you guys all next week. Uh, you can listen to us all on the major podcast uh, streaming services, uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever, I guess, whatever it's called, yep. uh, Spotify. You can also listen to us at spaceexplored.com as well. Uh, and we'll see you guys all next week with possible launch. Videos. It's happening, dude. It's happening. Last words. Please. Just watch. <laughs>